Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. I am Brent Young, Aaron Smith. How are we? Doing very well. It's been a good week to be a fan of the Cincinnati Bearcat program. You know what? I, I, I couldn't say it any better myself. It's uh, not too often on this podcast that we get to actually say, hey, guys, we're going to be talking about some games that actually took place <laughs> throughout the past week. We have not practice. Not talking about practice. Not no. talking about practice. We're talking about games, man. Or or lack thereof practice, even. Right. I, I mean, we're we're finally talking about games, but that will be a little bit later. Because as as he did, he, he kind of put the leash out there for us. A little bit of a uh, hey, you know, I can be a recurring guest if you want me to. And you know, you don't offer that to the BVP and take it away. So yet again, without further ado. Recurring guest, good friend of the BBP, Brady Collins rejoins the show. Brady, happy Monday. How are we? Doing good, brother. How you guys doing? Great. Great. Back happy after a couple wins. Back. Go ahead, it's Brady. A it's a pleasure to be back. Every single opposite week, one after the other. But, Brady, I guess I'm going to just bring, it, bring out this question. It's been a couple weeks since we last talked to you. Give us just a rough overview, maybe just one highlight, two highlights that really stuck out to you since the last time we talked inside the weight room for the football team. Uh, I mean, everybody's doing an unbelievable job. I mean, you know, top to bottom, older guys that came back to the young guys, to even the you know early enrollee guys, they're really starting to adapt, obviously, neurologically, you know, physiology to, to the way we train, but also, you know, their bodies are adapting. Um, but just been really impressed. Obviously, the number one thing that stands out to me is the leadership. And uh, I know we talked about that a little bit, but just, you know, again, I always tell the kids, you know, I always give them a little juice before the workouts and at the end, um, you know, as much as we wish we could be out there with you, like our days are done. So, like, you know, we're asking them to work so hard, not just selfishly for themselves, but for each other. And uh, there's been some really cool things that have been happening. Guys are really changing their bodies. Um, but more, more, more so than their bodies is their hearts and their minds. And, you know, it's been really cool to see a lot of guys starting to take that next step, um, in maturity and development and, uh, can't wait to see it, you know, in a couple of weeks translate, uh, onto the field. Brady, uh, just for clarification on something that I, I want the fans to understand a little bit better. What are describe to me the fast and furious rankings? Oh, there what is that about? So, uh, every Monday and Thursday, uh, I call it like, you know, speed school or, you know, it's just we, we go we go and uh, we'll do, you know, speed stations and then we always finish it with competitive sprints. And, uh, you know, they could vary from 10 yards to 30 yards to 40 yards. And there's groups. So obviously group one is the fastest of the fast guys. And if you win the most in that group, obviously you get love, you get points, you know, you make good, a cool graphic for you. If you lose, you bump down a group. So it's fun. It's competitive because, you know, again, you say, you know, in our program, if we say, all right, who can tie their shoe faster? Go. The guys just, they go crazy. So obviously when it comes to sprinting, the top, top guys, they love it. They love competing and going fast. Um, and it's just, it's the best way to compete. It's the best way to, to really push, you know, the fastest guy on the team is to put someone even faster right next to him. Cause maybe he gets a better start one time because you know, it's, it's fun. You mix up the starts. You don't always have to just be in a three-point stance. You know, we'll put them on their backs. We'll put them one knee down, facing this way, facing that way. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of juice. 
um, you know, music's up, guys are having fun. And, uh, you know, like anything, I like to celebrate the winners. I like to put out a cool graphic, post it in the, in the locker room, in the weight room. Guys love it. And uh, selfishly, I'm a, I'm a Dom uh, Toretto and obviously huge Paul Walker fan. So uh, shout out to them. There you go. Uh, now, kind of along those same lines, we've been able to see some videos of Drew Donnelly on, on Twitter. And how excited are you to see how he ranks in the Fast and the Furious votes? Because I, I don't know, looks, looks pretty fast to me. Yeah, yes, he does. I think uh, I think the Trey Tuckers, the Tyler Scotts, I think uh, those guys would say otherwise until he gets here. But uh, no, I love it. I love seeing, uh, you know, the footage out there. I love seeing him working. Um, you know, I, I know what kind of kid he is. I know how he was raised. So, you know, you, you're not going to sign up to be a Bearcat unless you know you're going to work your butt off. And so he knows that right away, but it's good to see. And, you know, it obviously uh, makes us all excited for when he does get here in the summer. So you speak about leadership. Who are some of the guys that in lieu of uh, some of the other guys who have gone on to uh, pursue other things now that they've, you know, graduated or gone to the NFL or whatever the case may be. Um, but who are some of the guys that you've seen step up as leaders uh, that maybe were unexpected step ups in this uh, young off season? I mean, again, we're so fortunate. We have such, you know, strong leadership guys that have obviously played a lot of ball, but guys that just do everything the right way in, in the locker room, outside the locker room, in the classroom, obviously the weight room. Um, so, you know, we're fortunate to have, you know, the big time guys like Desmond Ritter and Kobe Bryant and, you know, the Joel DeBlancos. Um, but, you know, guys that are really starting to take that next step of just leadership and ownership, I would say, is, uh, you know, the Maje Sanders, um, Darian Beavers, and then uh, even, you know, I'll put a little twist on it is, uh, you know, uh, obviously Alec Pierce, the Michael Youngs, Jordan Jones is doing a great job in the whiteout room, Trey Tucker, all those guys. But uh, a guy that kind of stands out to me a little bit is uh, Ahmad because, you know, Ahmad in that, in that corner room, obviously there's Kobe. Kobe's been here for a long time, played a lot of ball. Um, and Kobe's just always been, you know, locked in, 100% competitive. Um, going to work his ass off every single day, but, um, Ahmad and Arquan Bush, you know, two other big time players for us in that room, you know, they're really starting to, you know, attack and change the way they eat, um, training a lot tougher and, uh, really pushing each other. So that's, that's been really cool to see, you know, we, we kind of use the, the old saying iron sharpens iron and, you know, there's no better way than when all those guys are together and working out, but, uh, it's been good, man. I mean, you know, uh, the Josh Wiley's in the tight end room, you know, the O-line, Vinny McConnell's, Jakari Robinson's, and then a, a good push of young guys that are really starting to, you know, make names for themselves. It's, it's really cool. So what, uh, what exactly do you have to do to become a dude of the week? <laughs> so when we got here, that was just like, and I know a lot of people think they're like, oh, dude, like the surfer dude. No, I mean, our saying around here, like to be a dude, just means you do everything right. Like, I mean, you come in every single day, you work your butt off, you make your body weight, you're, you know, you're where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be. You're taking care of academics. Um, you're not missing any training room or meals, stuff like that. And uh, selfishly, it's also, you're kind of doing things, you know, that are above and beyond, not, you know, physically, but more so, you know, maybe emotionally or lead, leading others within uh, the workout or within the program. So each week, my staff and I, we get together on Friday and we just talk about all of our guys throughout the week. 
if anybody stood out. Um, and again, it's not because, you know, someone PR'd on a squat or a deadlift or a bench. It's like, no, this guy really pushed these two guys in my group all week, made his body weight every day. You know, he's been doing really good. And, you know, just another fun way to give back to the kids, put out a fun graphic, um, do an off season point competition thing. So they get points for that. And, um, just a, just a fun way to acknowledge the guys that are really, really doing well, but it, it's hard because, you know, we always have a list of like 10 guys. And I'm like, all right, we got to shrink it. Then every now and then I'll be like, screw it. Give me, give me everybody you got. <laughs> so you've talked about food now, a couple different answers that you've given here. So how involved are you in like meal planning for these guys or like what kind of uh, hands-on do you have and what they're eating? And is there like a journal that they're keeping or anything like that? Like how, just how involved are you? Yeah. I mean, some guys, you know, will, will have monitor, you know, whether they keep a journal, um, either handwritten or, you know, there's so many apps these days. Right. We're kind of looking into this new app that we can do that. You literally just take a picture of the plate and it kind of comes up with the caloric intake and breakdown and they can send that to us and we can dissect it. Um, but really, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of an easy old school approach sometimes. I mean, again, these kids, they're young, they're still growing, but they don't know how much to eat. So it's always reminding them every single day. Um, we're in charge of all the meals, like the menus that, you know, we can put out for breakfast and lunch. And then obviously dinner, you know, they're on their own, but, you know, we try to um, have meals every, every, you know, like once a week that we could take over to them or, you know, Wednesday's a big recovery day for us. So we'll get the, the fan favorites, the Chipotle, the Bibby Bops, um, and those are, those are great days for the guys, but uh, it's just, a, it's a constant thing. I mean, you gotta, you just always gotta be on top of it. We always tell them, you know, you gotta be a pro in everything that you do. Cause a lot of these kids have aspirations of making it to the next level. Well, okay. If you want to do that nutrition and recovery is the biggest part. Right. Cause I always say your muscles are going to grow in the weight room. They're going to fill up with blood. You're going to feel good. You're going to have a pump, but it's what you do after that, how you recover, how you eat, how you rest that's where true gains and true growth and development happens. So it's just a constant, um, you know, reminder and education, but uh, very fortunate. You know, I got a great staff that, uh, you know, we talk with our guys every single day and, um, you know, keep on top of them with all that. And we're always there for them. Kind of piggybacking off that, is this the time right now where those players that need to add weight, you're kind of forcing them to add weight or, you know, really stressing the importance of that. And those that need to start to cut weight a little bit, you're really kind of forcing that on them or, you know, kind of just leading them in that direction. Is this the time right now to do that? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, and, and this was crazy. I mean, I think uh, one of my assistants said this the other day, I think it was on Friday. It was still only like 28 days since we played. Right. When he said that, I was like, holy cow, because I mean, we're into week four which is like really week three, but week four of our like program basically. And I'm like, dude, you would think we've been doing this for like two months. Like the guys are just, are so locked in. They look good. They're moving fast or strong. I mean, probably the strongest team I've ever seen. And it's just like, <clears throat> you start feeling good about yourself, but like you just, you, you take your mind back to, you know, the Kobe's, the Dez, the Majes, the guys that have played so much football, even in a shortened year. And 28 days ago, we were, we were down in Georgia playing. And you're just like, whoa, like, but uh, it definitely is. It's the best time because, you know, again, their schedules are a little bit different, but, you know, there's not the the physical, mental, emotional, so all that taxing of practice and game week prep and all that stuff. I mean, 
like I tell kids every single day, I, I want the weight room to be a sanctuary. Like the outside world is going to give you so much stress. It's going to, it's going to pull at you. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have academic, you're going to have um, girlfriend issues. You're going to have family issues, all that stuff. When you come into the weight room, that's, that's your only time. And I always say time is the most non-renewable resource. You never get it back. And I always tell those guys, I'm like, trust me, as I get older, you don't want to waste a day. And, I, and that's what I always tell you. I said, I'm never going to waste your time. Not going to waste my time. Um, we're going to get the best out of you every single day because that's what you deserve. That's what we're here for. So, you know, we take this time. It's, it's all training. It's all, I mean, it's great for, from our end. Um, and as we get a little closer to spring ball, obviously things will kind of fine tune and, and tweak, but yeah, right now you would say it's, uh, it's just, it's old school, man. You eat, you eat, you eat, you train, you sleep, you recover, and then you do it again. You mentioned something to me on Friday as we were exchanging messages that uh, some people were very interested in, and that was Darian Devers at 255. That's right. What is moving, moving like a gazelle? What's like a, the tar- What's the target for him? Is there a target, or do you, like because 255 for a linebacker here is pretty rare? It's very rare, and uh, you know, again, I always I always looked at Beeve. When he got here, you know, I always mess with him. I'm like, that UConn, you know, shit ain't go fly anymore, all that stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, play, played a bunch his first year, played a, a lot last year. And, you know, I just always looked at him from afar physically, and I'm just like, man, God blessed you. Like, you should be way bigger. You should be – I mean, he, his athleticism, his raw talent, his natural gifts, they're through the roof, you know, and – to be as big as he is and to move as well and to jump as well and to be as strong and explosive. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a coach's dream. You just don't want to mess it up. So when we talked in the off season, you know, I said, all right, you played all year at about, you know, 235 to 240. I said, let's, <clears throat> let's just see how big and strong you can get. And as we start running and start moving and getting into football stuff, you know, we'll see how you're moving. And, you know, for the past two weeks, when he's moving, he is flying and uh, he looks good. He's obviously, yeah, he's, you know, he's put on weight, but it's not like it's bad weight. It's not like he's got like a big belly and his arms are all bloated. Like the goal, the goal is always add lean mass and just the way we train short rest intervals, um, supersets, all these kind of things. Um, you know, he's really taking it to the next level. And I think a big thing for him has been maybe just the way he attacks his workouts right now, but also, um, just maturity and understanding what to eat, how to fuel his body. Um, so yeah, but he's, he's a guy that he stands out right now. He's really, really doing a great job. As a coach, how rewarding is it to see a guy finally start after, you know, this is year three for him and, and year five in college, but to see that light go off and, and to see really, you know, things start to come together and, and him have a chance to be the best version of himself his final year. Yeah. I mean, that, again, that's, that's, that's our whole goal because, you know, when these kids come in, of course, they want to be the guy, they want to be the dude. Well, let's face it. There's probably five to six others, unless you're a quarterback, maybe three others in your room that were all that same guy in high school that all came here to do the same thing. And I really think it's just a huge testament to the guys within the locker room because, you know, again, that was the biggest thing we, we um, enforced when we got here and it naturally just grew every year was that competitive spirit. Like, we're all linebackers. We're all fighting for the middle linebacker job. All right, Chad, you beat us out. No doubt. We're all pissed. Like we're mad. We're like, damn, but at the deep down and at the end of the day, we're also so proud and so happy for you because we know you've worked, worked for it. You know, we know you've earned it. 
we've seen you. You've pushed us and we've pushed you. And at the end of the day, God forbid, if something happens to you, we're going to be ready to step right up because the next man mentality has always got to be there. But it's also it's just that connection in, in the locker room, the brotherhood. But, you know, with him, I think that's that's been the biggest thing is the guys in his linebacker room, all the guys on defense, you know, his training group. Um, you know, he's, he's in there with with Dez, with Wiley, with Lenny, young Evan, who's getting just destroyed, which is awesome. But, um, you know, he's just doing a really good job of taking taking his mental and physical approach to the next level. Have you attached Jaheim Thomas to his hip yet? Oh, Jaheim Thomas, he started off with us. And then, uh, so Jaheim is naturally sandwiched between uh, Joel DeBlanco, Ryan Royer, and Ty Van Fossett. And there's nowhere to hide with those boys. Those guys are crazy. (laughs) And so there's all, I always tell the kids, there's always a method to my madness. You know, you want, you want, um, you want the kids to be pushed, not only by us as coaches. And again, I'm so fortunate. I got four assistants, but again, any Yahoo can write up the workout. It's, it's who you're doing it with and who's going to really push you. Cause yeah, you're going to get tired. You're going to get sore. You're going to want to give in. But when you look to your left and right, you ain't going to let that guy down. Royer's a lunatic. Royer's not normal. He is not normal. He is not normal, but he's a great kid, man. We're Roy, Royer's a kid. You know, if he's if he's in your program, if he's in that locker room, you're set because I mean that kid will chop off a leg before he lets anything bad happen to the boys. Now, have you been working with anybody as they prep for the NFL Combine or uh, any of the guys as they get ready for the NFL Draft, or have they all moved on to private personal trainers? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it could be a culmination of just a, a lot of things this year. I think um, obviously we got a little bit more uh, notoriety in the guys that are you know getting um the next level prep but also maybe with the COVID situation but again I think it's always good that guys do kind of venture to somewhere else to train one because you're going to be around people that are on the same mission um and two because if, if you really want to get to that next level you got to exhaust all resources and you got to try like you got to try everything not saying you got to just throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks but you know you you've got to take your your mind, your heart, your body, somewhere different, somewhere outside of your comfort zone to really fine tune what it is got to do. Um, so in the past couple of years, we've been uh, fortunate to have, you know, maybe one or two guys stick around, but this year everybody's, you know, off doing their things. And uh, I make a point every Friday to kind of FaceTime some of those guys, catch up on them. And it's always good to see their faces. And it sounds like all of them are doing really well. So uh, coach Mike Tressel, was officially announced since we last talked. Has he kind of been around the team more? Kind of what what's the beginning effects that you've seen him have on the squad this, so far? Well, Coach Tress is in the weight room every day at 6.30, man. He's in there. Um, gets his workout in, comes, talks to all of us, you know, gets a little daily report. Then he'll come back down, watch the guys work out for a little bit. Um, you know, I think he's doing a great job just, um, you know, meeting everybody getting to know his players, getting to know the whole defense. I'm sure they're watching a crap load of film and doing whatever it is those coaches do. Um, but he's great. He's, he's been awesome. The kids are really um, loving what he's bringing, you know, the new ideas, um, you know, just obviously his coaching profile is extremely, really good. Um, you know, the relationship he has with coach, coach Vic, he actually coached uh, one of my assistants, Danny Felino. He was a linebacker at Michigan state. So that's been pretty cool. 
and uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good transition and just can't wait to see it continue to grow with all the boys and um, see how he is when he's on the field. We, we got a question this week. You, you talked to me about how uh, you were kind of surprised by the athleticism of James Tunstall as he has, uh, he has adjusted uh, in, com in comparison to James Hudson. Where does his athleticism fit? Because Hudson was a, a freak that could move unlike humans that are 300 pounds should be able to move. Yeah. Tunstall, looks, Tunstall looks longer, actually. He, uh, he might be. Yeah, he's definitely maybe an inch or two taller. Um, you know, I, I, I saw him today. We were talking about him today after uh, the run and everything. And we were all just impressed with how well he's moving. Because, you know, I think he's put on about like 12 pounds already. And he looks good. And he's big. He's strong. He's explosive. Um, but seeing him move today, that was like, okay, yeah, we got something. So that was really good uh, to see. Hard to compare to James Hudson. He's he was a he's a special freak, um, but uh, I think I think we're just still starting to kind of scratch the surface with Tunstall. And I think it's only going to get better, and uh, can't wait to see his growth and development continue. Staying with offensive line, what about John Williams? What have you seen? I saw he I believe he was a dude, or he was on the Fast and the Furious chart. Uh, he was. He's been chilling in uh, year year two. Johnny Williams uh, or Johnny Boy, as I like to call him. I mean, he's, he's awesome. Again, to come in as a young freshman, he was an early enrollee guy last year. So had a, had a good winter. Then obviously the summer with all that craziness, but he still had a great summer gets to camp, you know, from the quarantine and all this stuff has to, you know, get reps at first team, right guard, right tackle, left guard, left. I mean, he's moving everywhere. So the best thing about Johnny is he's smart. He's like an aerospace engineering major, um, you know, which is crazy. I don't think there's any astronauts that are like six, four and a half, 306 pounds, but he could be that. Um, I don't think he'd fit on the shuttle. He probably would unless, unless they make a new shuttle. You never know. Right. <laughs> it, it's 2021 now. Let's remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, Elon Musk has done crazier things. Yes. Um, I, do, I think I'm just more impressed. Again, it's so, it's so rare to see, you know, young kids and freshmen really come in with that work ethic and that mindset I think that's just a huge testament to um, how he was raised. I tell him every day, I said, tell your family, thank you. His uh, high school, obviously, but uh, you know, he's, he's doing extremely well. He moved, he is, he's, he's a lot like a James Hudson where he is athletic. He's twitchy. He's got big hands. He's got strong hands. He's strong. He can bend, he can jump. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he could do for, uh, for the boys. You mentioned young Evan. That's what that's that's the guy. Not surprisingly, everybody wants to hear a little yeah. bit more about Evan Prater. Uh, he was my number one young gun to watch on offense uh, as we go into this next season. Tell us a little bit about how he is approaching. See, he's got to beat out Michael Lindauer, who was ahead of him on the depth chart this year. But how he how, how is he approaching and attacking potentially being the backup quarterback and being the guy that is tasked with pushing Des and getting the best out of Des. You know, it's, uh, again, kind of like the method to my madness stuff. Um, you know, you look at Evan and he just, he reminds you a lot of Des. Not only because they, they look like brothers. They look like brothers. I mean, Des at one time, <laughs> they're very similar to Evan. Yep. Um, but no, you, you look at their, their makeup, uh, their mental framework, the way they, you know, 
the way they process things, the way they push others. Like, yeah, no doubt they're both long. They're both lean. They're fast. Um, you know, their games are somewhat similar, but I just, I looked at it that way. And again, you know, the best thing for Dez was he always had Ben Bryant right there pushing him and Dez, you know, it didn't matter who Dez was with, whoever he worked out with, he was going to get the best out of him. But I think when you're a young guy and like all season, you know, he trained with Dez a couple of times, but always kept the young guys together because they were kind of on a more progressive plan. You know, now every day when Evan comes in there, no doubt Lindauer's in there as well, but he sees exactly what Dez is doing. They both do. But Evan right now is getting the full on, like, you know, whatever Dez is doing, you're doing, or you're doing this many more, he's going to get you on this. And, you know, it's been, it's been really, really cool to see. I think Evan's really growing, um, no doubt physically, but his, his maturity, uh, his leadership, I think that's what stands out to me. And again, he, he came in with some natural leadership as any good quarterback, especially one that comes here to the Bearcats is going to have or should have. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's doing really well. And again, I think Des said something to me the other day. He said you're going to see a, a different kind of cat when spring ball starts. Just his his mental process and all that stuff. So I was like, all right, that'll be cool. <laughs> so who do you feels in your ear the most on the team? Like, just hey, coach, what can I do more of, or how can I get better at this, or what can I do here, there, everywhere? Like, just all the time, just chirping at you. Uh, I mean, we got a bunch of guys that are, you know always asking questions, which is great because that's what we're here for. Um, let's see. I think Joel's up there. Good old Joel DeBlanco. He's always got something. He's a funny dude. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'd, I'd say that's, that's about it really. I mean, are, are you going to have the young guys, guys that just got here, they're going to ask a thousand questions. Right. And it's just, just calm down and you'll see, you'll see. Um, but other than that, I think it's, again, just, I know I keep saying, I think it's just a testament to the guys in the locker room because, you know, they, they lead the way it's a player driven program. And, you know, I think if they have any other questions or concerns or just anything, the guy's got them. I was just curious who was most like me with the program as I am with Chad. So. <laughs> <laughs> got, got two more young names for you. Tell me, uh, tell me how they're looking. Marquez Bell and Will Pauling. Yeah. Uh, Quez, Quez is like a little pit bull. He, he just, he works, man. He's, he's a spark plug. He's always got a huge smile on his face. Um, you know, he's, he's busting his butt. He's doing a really good job. And uh, Will, you know, a guy that just got here a couple of weeks ago, obviously he comes in and, you know, he tests really well. And then you see him run. You're like, okay, he's running really well. Then he starts working out with the older guys and he's pushing the older guys and hanging with them. And you're like, all right, there's something really, really special here. And then, uh, you know, I think the guys have been doing some, some, throwing sessions here and there and you hear how good he looks running routes and his maturity and all that stuff. So, you know, today he was flying, he looked good. Um, it's again, that's, I mean, Chai town's been good to the Bearcats. We got to keep the pipeline going there, but, uh, really been impressed with, uh, with him and obviously Quez too, you know? So I think that whiteout room is going to be just a bunch of hungry competitive dogs. So it's going to be fun. True or false. You have mistaken Will Pauling for a linebacker. That's, that's true. I thought that the other day he, he had his shirt off near the end of the workout and I like did a double take. I was like, who is that? That's Will. And I was like, Oh my. So he caught the eye of some of the boys up there with me too. And I was just like, yeah, that's a freshman. 
<laughs> and he's a TikTok competitor with you now. Well, uh, you know, yeah, he was. He, he he did he did win that TikTok challenge thing. He did. That's but, good uh, that one wasn't rigged, so it's all no, good. No, coach, got it. So we do a BBP mailbag here. So we've got okay. some uh, some quick questions from the fans, if you will, from the members on the board. They. Yep. I'm going to start you off with a with kind of a fun one. Uh, UC Merck asked, uh, would love to hear out of all the alumni that you have coached here, who is the last person that you would want to be tackled by and who is the last person that you would want to try and tackle? Ryan Cook. No. <laughs> well, is it an open yeah. field or is it like a goal line? <laughs> Let's give you open field. But you can't juke. You've got You've got bags. You got that. I was I was I was a running back in college. I still got moves, man. Okay, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> open field. Open field. Oh boy. Um I'm gonna say no to Derek or no to, to Wiggs. Okay. Okay. And then how about who who would you least want to try and tackle? Uh Mike Warren. Pretty easy answer there. Pretty yep. easy. Go, it don't matter how long you go, he's going to find a way to run you over. Or, I mean, that's tough. I mean, Mike Warren or GD. GD's right. going to hurt you as hard as you're going to try to hurt him. Right. But I got, a random, I got a random old school one that just popped in my head. Right. We, only, we only had him for a year. He was a Juco guy our first year. I always say if we would have had one more year with him, oh, my gosh. And that's Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good. I think he's still with the Jaguars. First team all uh, off the bus, right? Oh, my goodness, yes. I don't think he ever realized what working hard was in the weight room or just all that stuff. And, again, he was a good dude, a big personality. If we could have had one more year with him, oh, my. He was a giant human. A giant human being. <laughs> Love to see him and uh, Mets, a little one-on-one -on -one action there. But – Next question: the the biweekly update on the rake. How's his how's his weight doing? Is it uh, continuing to rise? He's doing a great job. Yes. Again, when you come in as skinny as he did, all you're going to do is gain weight, and that's the <laughs> thing for him. And again, at the end of the day, he's a punter. We care about one thing: kick the ball really, really well. So he does that really well, which is great. The rest of it will take care of itself. Um, I think the funniest thing about Mason is. You know, he, he's actually, he might be a guy, Aaron. He, he asks a bunch of questions just because, you know, he's Australian. He's very eager to learn. But uh, nice. he, t he tells uh, Coach Felino every day after, after like everything that he does, he goes, oh, Coach, that was hot. Ooh, that was hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick update on Lyndon Johnson. Uh, he was last with the Jaguars and was cut in uh, 19. And then he was uh, with the Titans practice squad and cut with the Indianapolis practice squad and cut and then was with the Cardinals and was released uh, in 2020 um, in April, 2020. So there you go. Kicking around a little bit. Yeah, he's Good little three-year run. Yeah. Does, does Mason know that everybody thinks of him as the rake now? Has he been informed of that? I don't know if he's as educated um, <laughs> that maybe Jimmy was when it comes to you know, all the things that are out there that, you know, you can venture and read upon or hear and stuff, but we'll make sure that it's known that we refer to him as the rake now. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a phenomenal nickname, really. Pretty good. I'm not going to lie. And 
you know, we'll, we'll use it as motivation so that he's not a rake. We'll get him up to Crocodile Dundee status. Oh, there we go. There we go. I'll send you the clip of Jimmy calling him the rake so you can play it for him. <laughs> I will definitely do that. All right. Uh, another question from CDS86. Do you see any, any benefit in athletes playing multiple sports in high school? Absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the common things that our coaches look for in recruiting. Um, you know, we want kids that love to compete, not just in the same sport that we're recruiting them at, but, you know, multiple sports. I mean, you look back at a bunch of our guys. I mean, Dez was a multi-sport athlete. Trey Tucker was a wrestler. So no doubt Thick loves him. Um, you know, you, you want guys that are, um, that are just so competitive that it doesn't matter what they're playing. They want to be the best in. Prater. And a lot of, you know, a lot of times in football, you're going to get football and track or, you know, a lot of football and basketball guys. we got a bunch of those, you know, some, you know, mainly quarterbacks or football, baseball, but um, you know, yeah, the, you want that because again, it's just, it's more well, well-rounded athletes. Um, you know, they've competed in multiple different things going up against different people. And again, the camaraderie of a locker room and brotherhood and all that stuff. But yeah, that's huge. Aaron, I got nothing, man. So, Coach, I I was thinking about this with with the Super Bowl on last night, and and of course, tell all the listeners your your inside connection there. A big congratulations <laughs> to to you and and your you know three different connections of friends. But uh, <laughs> when you watch a game, what aspects are you watching of the game, or are you just simply taking it in? Is there something that you're kind of sitting back up? As, as the position that you're in with the Bearcats, are you kind of watching certain things here and there, or are you just taking it in as a spectator? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think early in my career, like anybody, like any fan, like any person watching on TV, you watch the ball, you watch the snap, you watch the quarterback. Again, what does everybody watch? The quarterback. And uh, But I think through the years, especially, you know, even on game days now, you know, I'm watching the line of scrimmage because that's where the games are won. It doesn't matter what level it's at. That's where the games are won. So, you know, I'm watching the the guys up there in the trenches. I'm watching, you know, how the D-line's playing, what the O-line's doing, um, you know, and then just kind of work its way out. Obviously, you know, a lot of offenses are going to have fancy stuff. Like they, they were doing a bunch of orbit motions last night and stuff like that. So you, your eyes kind of go to that. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm not as guru-y with, you know, coverages and fronts and all that stuff. I, I could get up on a whiteboard and I could do a pretty solid job, but I'm not going to be able to break down much. But that's kind of what I'm starting to, to watch more. I'll watch, um, you know, obviously former players that I've had the chance to work with. Um, you know, or obviously you're watching Travis Kelsey, seeing what he does. Um, but, yeah, that's mainly my eyes are focused on the line of scrimmage. What body parts would you have sacrificed to have worked with Travis Kelsey? <laughs> An arm, couple fingers. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you don't have to go all the way like Mike Vrabel on us or anything. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, a pinky toe, you know? Okay. <laughs> well, well, that's balanced, though, I thought. Hey, well, you know, maybe the middle toe, I don't know, something. I, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Travis is doing a great job. I think he doesn't need much help, but. Yeah, he would have been he would have been one that would have been really fun to work with. Um, but you know me, I'm very fortunate. We got 
um, you know, Josh Wiley and Lenny T right now that are trying to be the next, next wave. And um, those are fun guys to be with. So the Fast and the Furious BBP edition. <laughs> Start me on the lowest rung. What do I need to get up to up there with Chad? He was a past track star, if you remember. Aaron, I believe. Uh, he, right. he played intramurals at Wright State. So we've there got we some go. athletes in our hands here. I see. Well, Brent, I'm sorry. I think you might be. Former athletes. That's okay. <laughs> because, again, the good thing about Group 10, you can't move down. You can't there move down. There we go. You can move up. You can move up. Um, I'll be the Leicester City of uh, the BBP Fast and Furious. I'm in. <laughs> if we could get 18-year-old Chad, it sounds like he would probably be in Group 1. Okay. Okay. But I was a laser 439. <laughs> lasers, was, have adapted, lasers have adapted since then, my friend. It was a long time ago, though. A very <laughs> long time. It was... A lot of pounds ago <laughs> that, that that happened. All that matters is it happened. It, happened. it did happen. It, it did happened. happen. Nobody no, can get away from you. I no. had a chance to run in college, but I decided that standing on the sidelines for football games at Marshall was a lot more uh, a lot more up my alley than, That's right. uh, than waking up at five in the morning and running. How many, how many times how many times did you venture to that McDonald's that's right in the south end? <laughs> I back then I was actually pretty good. Like I yeah. wasn't a junk food guy. I didn't I didn't party a whole lot. Uh that wasn't until a couple years later in life when I uh got out of that scene and moved to LA and lived on the beach and did you ever hit of, up- it all went to hell after that. <laughs> Blame it on Cali. It's all it's all <laughs> My morals you, went out the window when I lived in, in L.A. Did you go to the Damons at the Renaissance Hotel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was younger, man, I, rem- I remember going to the games, watching Chad Pennington, Randy Moss, Byron Leftwich. Um, I was there. I that's was there right. For a while. We, we might have crossed paths and we never knew it. We might have. I was, I, was, I was big at the Union. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My uh, that- grandpa and his brother, they're big alumni there. And uh, so I, I remember being young, eating Damon's wings up in the press box. Oh, yeah. Watching the herd. And I was like, it's fun. <laughs> the, the, the fraternity I was in, the guy that owned the union was a SIG up. So uh, an ID was not necessarily required in 1995 to get into the union. <laughs> <laughs> I can't verify the union is still a good time. Thank you to the Bearcats big win. A couple of seasons ago, there in Huntington, that was a uh, that was a, a fun game to be at. I tell you what, that was a that was a quarter. That oh god, that was hot. That was the hottest game I think I've ever been a part of. Really? And, was, and I've been in Mississippi. Yeah, that was so hot. I, I think the Union back in the day used to be twenty five cent drafts on Tuesday. Mm. It's a smart move. No, it wasn't. It was not a smart <laughs> move. It's not a smart move for young Chad. My tolerance wasn't quite uh, established at that stage in my professional career. (laughs) Oh boy. I I think, uh, I think that's about it. You guys got anything else for Brady tonight? Thank you. Not really. (laughs) Just uh, that we'll have you back on in a couple of weeks, man. (laughs) That's right. Bi-weekly, man. Here we roll. All right. Thanks, bro. We'll see you soon. All right. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Go back. Thanks, Brady.
All right. There you go, boys. That's your bi-weekly segment with the director of strength and performance, Brady Collins. And uh, we get a lot of mileage out of that when we get Brady on here. He's uh, he is outstanding. I can't wait until we get the Fast and Furious uh, sponsorship. (laughs) I tell you what, though, Brady, the, the thing about Brady is he can literally give you a tidbit about every single player on the team, which is exactly what you want out of that strength and conditioning coach, because that just tells you that everyone's kind of doing their part. No one's just sinking back into the shadows. I just awesome to hear the names of the young players really rising and things like that. And man, he's got energy for days. Uh, I just cannot wait for a couple weeks from today. And I tell you what, a lot of fans of the pod love listening to Brady. I think it's also encouraging. Like you can genuinely tell how excited he is about this team. And it's not just like us as fans being the only ones who are excited to see the product that we put out there next year. Like you can literally see just how excited he is to get his hands on everybody and just, you know, see what he's got to work with for next year. I still can't get over Darian Beavers at 255. I mean, that's insane. Well, you you remember. Yeah. Well, the thing about last offseason, the thing about Darian Beavers was when when Freeman was on the BCJ pod, talked about how Jarrell White plays without thinking and how Darian just is starting to do that. Well, I think at the tail end of last year, you saw Darian Beavers playing without thinking. I, and he was a beast. And now you're saying 255 and running like a gazelle, playing without any fear. I I mean. I think by the end of the year, he was a top three or four player on this defense. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he was making huge plays all over the field. Just makes you wonder and, what kind of strides he's going to make in the offseason now. Like just to like what we saw last on the field compared to what we're going to see come week one with that senior urgency, because like I said, I think people kind of, that kid knew he was coming back for this year all along. And then I've talked about it. I think on the BCJ pod, I think I might've mentioned it here too, but he was going to opt out just because his intention was to come back and play this year. And they told him, look, if you stick with us, there's a good possibility. Everybody's going to get a free year. So you're going to get the full year of experience this year and you can come back next year his mindset was always to be here for this upcoming 2021 season. Um, and it sounds pretty obvious to me that he is attacking this uh, with a much different mentality than, than he has since he's been here. And uh, I loved Aaron's reaction when Brady was like, look, we gotta, we gotta get that. This ain't UConn anymore. We gotta, we get that UConn shit out of you. <laughs> Can't help that. Uh, here's the thing about Darian Beavers. He's got the body of an NFL player. There's does, no doubt. Absolutely. And at There's 255, no 6'4", yeah. 255, and can run. My question I mean, is, how the hell did he ever end up at UConn? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was a safety. I mean, he was kind of like a tweener that didn't really have like a, you know, a set, like this is what you are. Um, and at times those kids can get lost kind of in the shuffle. So and, and it's like- weird. Kind of like at the same time, like what Jarrell White's dealing with, you know, in trying to go to the NFL, just in a sense. Yeah. But it's a little different because Beavers at that time was still six, two, six, three. Like he's never been, he was a little skinnier, but I think the question when you get caught up in that, like, is he fast enough to play safety? Is he big enough to play linebacker? And you get caught 
kind of in the middle there. And I think he got, he got a little bit lost in the shuffle and, uh, and, you know, at the time UConn hadn't bottomed out per se. So it was still, you know, a pretty attractive place to end up. And, uh, Boy, they bottomed out once once he got there. Well, they were through no fault of his own. They uh, beat them up and put them at defensive end, rush end. Yeah. And I mean, then, he went from safety to defensive end in like, right. like 11, 12 months. Yep. And then comes here and, and transitions linebacker. I, I mean, you look at the last four games this past year. He had 12 total tackles with one tackle for loss against ECU. And then at UCF, he exploded. 12 total tackles, four tackles for loss. 1.5 sacks. And then Tulsa, he had that huge interception. Then he follows up with eight tackles against Georgia with a sack as well and a forced fumble. I mean, that's that's closing a year strong, knowing you're coming back the following year. Other, I mean, than, other than my Jay, who, who was playing better on him, better than him on, on defense? I mean, Ahmad, I guess. But people weren't throwing at Ahmad really by that point right. in time. Um so it's a little more difficult to quantify, but who was making more of an impact on defense outside of, of Darian Beavers? Just so. knowing, Kobe, Kobe closed strong, but yeah, I mean, Beavers is right up there with all of them. Knowing how many guys we have that have their sights on the NFL and how they've seen, especially this last class uh, that have, is going to, you know, to the NFL and pursuing that next step. Like it's going to be super exciting to see how many of these guys like are so just laser focused on just trying to make the right things happen this season and, and just trying to get there for the NFL and all that. And like, I mean, you got four guys going to the combine. Well, that's never happened. Like this is crazy time to be a Bearcat right now. The other thing I think exciting to take away from that, Brent. Yeah. John Williams and James Tunstall. I mean, yeah, I those are, those are look. We saw last night in the Super Bowl the importance of being solid at tackle, right? Mm-hmm. And those two guys, like, there's no two guys that have more riding on how they develop this offseason than James Tunstall and John's William, John Williams. Like, it's yeah. critical. Tunstall's got two years left, right? Yeah, and then obviously three for for John four if four. he takes advantage. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it, it, this year was just a traditional redshirt yeah, shirt year for right. him. So, I mean, you're you're talking about young, just I mean, it's a uh, yeah, that's huge, especially the way like you said, Brady just talked about them. You know, Tunstall when he said, you know, they had their thoughts, but then when we saw a move, we said, all right, we've got something here, which is about what what you could say after the Georgia game in the second half to get a tackle that can move. It's a little bit better than than, than what we uh, we threw out there, but yeah, I mean, all of that was just positive stuff. Especially now that NCAA football is coming back. Sadly, it's going to be like two to three years down the line, is what they're saying. So no Des Ritter at quarterback for the Bearcats, but it's sounding like Evan Prater's making making a nice little little surge. Could be a nice little fun uh, fun video game for a little you know protection on both sides with Tunstall and uh, John Williams. I'm excited. Well, and if you're if you're bringing that up, I can't wait to see if they're actually going to try and use likenesses and, and do anything with player compensation or if they're legitimately just going to put out random players and all of that and then just wait for the uh, the communities to build the rosters and the players still see Which nothing. Which will take a day. And, yeah. and the players will still see nothing and it's just a giant sham and I just, I don't They've know. They've already partnered with the name, image, and likeness company. They're going to be ready to pay the players depending on how 
the NCAA handles name, image, and likeness. The game is ready and prepared that there's going to be a compensation package for the players uh, if they can, you know, if they can. Did you hear? So we'll see. Madden pays every player, I think it's a, what, $10,000 check every year? Ten grand. Yep. That's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. So I, I doubt it'd be that, that high, but. Well, still. I mean, you're talking 130 teams instead of 30 right. teams. Right. And you're talking 85 huh. players right. instead of 53 players. Yeah. Um, so anything is better than nothing in that sense. Two grand, 1,500, two grand a player. Be a nice little check to get for a college And they'll kid. take it and smile. That's, yeah. that's big time. Better than but having you know what? trade jewelry for tattoos. You know, you know what? Those kids want more than anything. They want their name in the game. Right. Like, they want to be in the game. Well, yeah, you see the the Baker Mayfields and, you know, the Kyler Murrays tweeting out when all that was coming out saying just, yeah. you know, gosh, I, I never – Joe Burrow even said it. I, I've never wanted anything more than either be on the cover or just be in the game itself. So, And he would have been on the cover. Yeah. Probably. Would have. Yeah. I, I can't imagine anybody else who would have rivaled him. There was nobody that season that was even close mm-hmm. to him as the face of college football. He would have been on the cover for sure. Unless he tried to go with Tua, maybe, but no. Tua was hurt too. Like Tua, if Tua was healthy the whole time, maybe, but Tua spent so much time out with the hip injury that Tua may have gotten it, the cover the year before. Probably. Yeah. Probably. How about I'm excited. Uh, if you're paying a junior, if you're paying a junior. <laughs> yes. Yes. How about my favorite uh, quote that that Coach Collins said with without really anyone kind of catching it. He's kind of said it quick. He he said this is probably the strongest team he's ever been a part of. So how, how do you think that translates, though? Do you think that means like general as in like actual physical strength or do you think that means like metaphorical as far as like the, the bond that they have after having to go through COVID and everything that this past year has been for everybody where they weren't allowed. I mean, they were essentially in a a bubble per se. Like I'm sure the team had their own quote bubble that they, you know, tried to steer clear of and all that. So I'd wonder if that was kind of a, a twofold. Yeah. Well, I I think in this sense, just strong in any way is (laughs) like strongest, no matter which way you put it, I mean, Brady's been a part of some some very successful programs. I mean, I'll take I'll take strongest in any sense. Uh, Fair. I mean, it's tough to find something that you're strongest in that could be bad, but I I don't know. I I think uh, great to have Brady back on. Great to just touch on football, obviously, because I mean that's it's still the uh, the engine that is churning at a high high level. So, well, anything else football wise? We know how much Bearcat Journal likes to hear about the offseason anyway, so I think it's good for everybody to kind of wet the palate with having, you know, Brady being a recurring guest. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Anything left, football, before we move on to uh, the other sport that we finally ushered back in? Dad? Nothing? I'm good. All right. I'm good. Moving on. So let's talk about it. The uh, On Thursday night, the um, – shall I say the, the inner optimist that is uh, one Brent Young was sitting with glee on his couch as a Cincinnati Bearcat team started a walk-on. Listen, I got your not suitable for work text. I get it. You, you were more <laughs> than just the eternal optimist that night. It was, it was, 
I mean, you you seriously see that starting lineup, and you think in your head, you're like, wow, okay. Who's I in mean, trouble? Yeah, it's, it's – I mean, you're starting Mikey Saunders, first career start. Rob Banks is getting his first time all season. He who shall be named Banksy. 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 And, and I tell you what, Rob Banks came in not scared. He was firing. But I like his energy. I, I really like his energy. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's a big fella too. Can't wait to hear him in a, in a press conference, hopefully down the line, but you look at it, this is going to forever be remembered as the David DeJulius game. hundred percent. We saw a different David DeJulius. And as we found out in the post game press conference, David DeJulius has been practicing this entire time, getting shots up in the gym because he has previously already had COVID and is now currently the one that is able, he had the antibodies, he's able to get out there. And it was pretty evident that this was a confident David DeJulius. One is, if this carries the rest of this year into next year, I mean, the, the outlook of the team for the rest of the season and next year just completely takes a step up. And there was a quote that DeJulius dropped, and I don't remember if it was after Thursday or if it was after Sunday, and I wish I would have saved it, but it was some, basically something along the lines of like, you believe in your coach, you believe in your team, and you know they're going to carry you. And you know, it was kind of just alluding to the struggles that he's gone through this season because we all have been talking about how this wasn't the David DeJulius that we had all been sold on, and here he was just finally we got to see the David DeJulius game. And uh, it, it was quite a thing to see. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it. So so David DeJulius was named the uh, honorable mention for um, the AAC this past week. The, the career high, 26 points. I mean, he, he splashed 411 from deep. I, he just simply looked like a completely different player. And, you know, the quote that you mentioned, I, it just speaks volumes to a player that when, when given the ability to – Oh, here it is. I found it there. It says, when you have a coach like this that believes in you and you have teammates like this that believe in you, all you got to do is keep working and everything else will take care of itself. I was really hoping I was filibustering long enough for you to find the quote. I was I, I was not quick enough, but I was right there. And you have my back. I, I appreciate it. I got you. you. I got you. But, you know, it's that mentality and that buy-in that, that Coach Brandon mentioned that kind of just shows you, hey, this team is like, hey, it's not down and out. You know, they're going through quite a lot. And the fact that you're able to go on the road against Temple, who is not very good, let's just, you know, say that. But still, with with what you were put up against, the lack of practice, the lack of five on five, the 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 bodies that you have at a, at your availability that are even probably 50%, 70% as far as conditioning, and you go out there and you you compete. I, I mean, they didn't just win this game because they were shooting lights out and, you know, kind of looking great finesse-wise. They won the game from defense and just competitive nature that they brought out of themselves after just wanting to win a basketball game after such a long layoff. That's where you got to tip your cap at the most. Well, and I think that quote does more than just that. I think it also defines David DeJulius as a leader on this team, maybe the leader on this team, as well as the game. Um, but I think it is like that quote literally I think is what has – leapfrogged him in my eyes as the leader above Keith Williams. Like Keith had every opportunity this season to take the team by the reins and never really did. So that said, I think Keith 
showed us on Sunday before we really get into the depth on Sunday, but, you know, Keith has shown that he is more comfortable being that second guy and that's kind of where he thrives. Yeah. You know, I, I think you also look at the defense that Keith Williams had down the stretch against Temple, you know, had, had the great uh, block and then, you know, kind of pulled, pulled the chair a little bit, made the, made the, the Temple player travel. And then of course, Temple kind of, like like coach Fran Dunphy did for for us a couple of years ago with the water bottle they simply just cannot handle a basketball and it dribbles into the backcourt for a uh, turnover when they have a chance to try and you know tie or win the ball game but anyway I digress that was a good win fantastic win and then now all of a sudden you look forward to Sunday and against a Tulane team who is not the greatest team they do have a couple of solid wins They've got a coach in Ron Hunter who has led that team to just playing hard. They do everything fundamentally sound, free throws, turnovers. You know, they they, they do the small things that a well-coached team does. And then you saw a Bearcat team that came out, they, they were playing their hardest, but still. And as Coach Brandon mentioned in the second game, it's kind of where you kind of see that rust really come up forward. And we saw that quite a lot, Aaron, all day Sunday. You, yes, we we certainly saw some rust, and I mean, you also saw plenty of bright spots. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one for me was Chris Vote over the last two games. While the stat line hasn't been full of anything that's you know eye popping or even reminiscent of last year, he's playing solid minutes. He's giving, honest to God, I think he's given everything he has on the court, and it's been just a breath of fresh air considering what we saw out of Chris vote early in the season. Yeah. And that's a senior stepping up, doing his thing. And then of course we have to mention it. Big props to Keith Williams, right. thousand point club. Welcome to the club. 1011, I think is what he's sitting at now. And, you know, I completely agree with what coach Brandon said in the post game. It's like Keith Williams, no matter what, you know, what level of basketball he's going to be playing and what league he's in, he's going to score 1000 points because he just does the things. He's a natural scorer, this, that, and the other, but Keith still in this game was doing the right things to try and win the game. Sure. There were turnovers. Sure. There were different times where he kind of felt a little bit of a lapse, but it does seem like Keith is really starting to figure out how to do what he needs to do for the team to win down the stretch. And, you know, as you mentioned, kind of look back at David DeJulius and kind of, having Keith be the, the Robin who is a step above just a typical Robin, but having a primary ball handler, then that allows Keith to do what he does so well. And that's, you know, cutting off the basket and, and getting out in front and transition. I mean, Keith looked pretty doggone good in that two lane game. And without him, there's, there's no way a win is pulled out. But as you mentioned that there, there are other bright spots, you know, you saw Tari Eason really have a good game and, and I, a terrible game on Thursday. Right, right. Yeah. So what is your outlook on Tari right now? It just seems as if and, – and to take a step back, Jeremiah Davenport had a fantastic game against Temple. Fantastic. And then it gets Tulane. It seemed like it was a little kind of uh, kind of physical underneath the basket, uh, kind of tough to grab rebounds. Tari Eason was the one that stepped in and was able to grab some crucial rebounds. Anybody who had a terrible game these last two games, I'm not holding anything against no. anybody. That's that's my stance. Right. It's right. it's the fact that we don't know, to be completely honest, outside of Harvey and uh, and we don't even know if Harvey and uh, Mamadou had COVID. We just know that there was at least contact tracing. 
uh, as they're still out. Um, or, I mean, or it could be injury. I, I saw them both on the sidelines uh, this last game on Sunday, I believe. But uh, in any case, you know, we don't know who had COVID. We don't know who actually went through and, and how bad or severe it may have been. So to hold anything against anybody during any of this stretch, especially when, I, I mean, it's been on the broadcast, we've seen it and heard it mentioned numerous times, I, I less than five practices over 25 days. Uh, I think it was at one point, it was like one practice of mm-hmm. five on five in 25 days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these guys are doing everything that they can. Who knows how often they've been in the gym on their own. I mean, I'm taking everything at, at face value for the information we've been given out loud. And it is that there has been little to no practice for these guys. So, yeah, I'm not holding anything against anybody, including Tari having a terrible game. Um he because he had a great bounce back game and i think that's the tari that we're going to get used to accustomed seeing yeah and right now we got to mention that that two-lane broadcast crew was some of the smartest you know groups that you can get covering a basketball game you know i think that they were just they were phenomenal you know they really knew everything that needed to be known heading into that basketball game and they executed very professionally. Well, you didn't even congratulate Jeremiah Davenport for having joined the thousand point club. <coughs> uh, pardon me. Pardon me. We've muted Brent. <laughs> oh my god. It's like it's like pardon my take. Or not pardon my take, but um around the horn. Uh, around the horn. Yeah, Brent's yep. been muted. Brent's been muted. Let me <laughs> let me clear my throat. Let me clear my throat real quick. <laughs> Let me clear my throat. Right? That's that was literally the worst color commentator I've ever heard. So compare com- compared to the Bowling Green game from those. There's no comparison. Those were students. I know. I know. Those weren't. Those weren't professionals. Those were kids trying to chase their dream. I would say it's more fun. <laughs> the Bowling Green broadcast was more entertaining than this one was just rough. This was bad. He didn't know anything. <laughs> anything. He didn't have one relevant piece of information that he delivered properly. We returned our two leading scorers from last year, Chad. Jeremiah Davenport is the backup point guard. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. He also, I think somebody pointed out on Twitter that he literally at like some point during the broadcast realized that a lot of great players went to Cincinnati. Now that was the play-by-play guy. Yeah. Because he, like when, when they got the, the word that, that Keith had, had 1, you know, got yeah. the 1,000 point club, the play-by-play guy's like, huh, look at that. Can you a lot learn? of great players in Cincinnati. Wow, like, Nick Van Did you do any research or did you just get the notes? Have you ever watched <laughs> basketball? <laughs> huh. Oscar Roberts, Nick Van Exel, Kenyon Martin. Wow. Jeez. They were they, this program's pretty good. And that's not even getting into like, you know, your Ruben Patterson's, your Corey Blunt's, like Lance Stevenson. I mean, there's there's a so bad. There's plenty of guys who made it to the end. Come on, man. Gee, Williker, that that Bearcats, they've got some good players in their past. But That's a sneaky, really good program. Who knew? Imagine wow. what, you, what his facial reaction would have been if you would have told him how many years Cincinnati made the tournament in a row. 
Or maybe they're the 13th winningest program in college basketball yeah. history. His head would have exploded at that point. I was waiting for like, oh, with all this talent, you'd think they'd be like a top 15 program in the country or something. Oh, oh wait. wait a minute. Wait, wait. <laughs> well, by golly, would you look at that? Jeez. It's the worst. But sp- back to the game real fast. You got to talk about the the craziest first media time, the, the craziest stanza to ever start a second half that I've personally seen while watching Bearcat basketball. And Banksy, that was Sam Martin. Yeah. The, 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 so with 18.03 left on the clock, the Bearcats in the first minute, 57 seconds of the second half had three turnovers. They were 0 for 3 from the field. And they have let up a 4 nothing run. John Brandon takes a quick T.O. And in comes this lineup. Mike Saunders. Micah Adams-Woods. Tari Eason. Your boy Banksy. And Sam Martin. Now, Sam Martin was going to supposedly be a rotational player for the uh, previous regime as, by his junior-senior season. But I, I digress. This, this was a move. That took a lot of gonads from one John Brandon. That that no, took didn't. a lot. Yes, well, no, it didn't. It, okay, okay. They were awful. Those they were first bad. Two minutes. They awful. were very, very bad. Awful. If, to the point I got five, very angry. If there were five guys with a uniform on, <laughs> they were going in the game. Exactly. They whoever they put as, out there couldn't have done any worse. That was as no. bad a two minutes as you will ever seen. They were. Flat out terrible. They were horrible. And then what happens? Sam it, Martin it, was a little spark plug. It works out perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. Just the way I, he threw I it mean, up. A drive and dump, Sam Martin to Tar Eason. Uh, there were a couple turnovers sprinkled in there, but still, we're giving them a pass. Sam Martin draws one. a charge in the post. There's one turnover. Sam Martin turned it over. Sprinted back back down the floor and drew a charge. Drew a charge. Little fella doing little fella things. I tell you what, that is the epitome of stepping up when you need to, and 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 being kind of. I mean, you saw they were back on the court coming out of the media timeout. You know, it it could have been that two lip that two minute boost that you needed out of them, and then Brandon just puts all the all the starters back in, but no. He, he kept the, all, those five on the court out of that media timeout, just showing, hey, this is working. Let's get a little bit more out of it. Continue to, to, to kind of just push the point. And then you came out and you pull out a victory. So, I mean, I thought it was, it was the craziest thing I've seen, and it ended up working out very well. As a fan, though, it was also super exciting to watch. Like, because you're rooting for, you're rooting for literally like David versus Goliath at this point, because Sam Martin is a a dwarf out there with some of these guys and it was just i don't know it was fantastic to see him and banksy play like real minutes it wasn't like garbage time at the end of the game like they they were legitimately a part of this team win and it was just a fantastic thing to see i was gonna say be careful because you never know when you're gonna need sam martin to like hire you for a job but there's no way you're going to be able to be qualified to apply for a job wherever Sam Martin's working later in life. So I wouldn't worry about it. I appreciate the vote of confidence, Dad. Sam Martin, I think you are a spectacular human. <laughs> and and I had full confidence in you the second I saw you out on that court. He's a he's a Linder Honors student, isn't he? Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, he, he, well, it was good to see. He was obviously on the honor roll every single time that they put that out. He's not on the honor roll. He is, he is the honor the roll. It <laughs> was a right state grad with a 2-4 GPA. Come on, man. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Too much private information. <laughs> That's higher than I thought. You're welcome. I'm full <laughs> of surprises. I finished. Something to be said for that. What she said. And she was happy. Probably as happy as you were walking across. The- You're not wrong. Uh, but still, yet again, defense at the end of the game pulled out the win. Uh, you know, David DeJulius <laughs> with the big strip. Um, you know, you kind of look back. That probably didn't happen prior to the long layoff. Probably would have been a little bit out of position or whatnot, or maybe not as aggressive as, aggressive as they had. But still, I, I mean, two wins on the road after that long of a layoff, even if it is against two of the worst teams in the conference, you have to look at that as the absolute positive wow. And, I mean, you're doing it without arguably the best player leading into that long layoff and Zach Harvey. So, I mean, it's just you got to look at that and just say, hey, this team is total buy-in. Hopefully it is working towards the right direction and making this all happen. Here's my question for you two. Ready. How much can these next four or five weeks change the narrative of things going forward? If you continue getting this David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport continues to play at the level he has and Tari Eason keeps improving and you get Zach Harvey back and Zach Harvey continues to improve. And now you have a core foundation of four, three of them that are here long-term DeJulius that's here for at least one more year. How much can this next month change the perception of where things are at in this program headed into year three of John Brandon? Well, I think that you can, you certainly have some measuring stick games, right? So you have Houston coming up, you have Memphis coming up, um, you have Oh, oh. Did it happen? I I think it it happened. happened. I thought we had him. He was doing well. No, man, he's like what, an hour and fifteen minutes in. Aaron, good. Uh, I mean, he's frozen, kind of looking pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Looks like he's getting ready to force out a, a very demonstrative word, but uh, turd, a very demonstrative turd. Yes. That's what it looks like yes. he's about to force out. If we're being honest, <laughs> we're breaking it down. But uh, kind of just rolling with what he started saying, I think it changes it completely, and I think that. The main person was David DeJulius. And I, I mean, you're, he's shooting 37.5% from three. I know it's only two games in the past two games. But still, you're looking at a, a player that really could be the main determiner on how well the rest of the season flows. If David DeJulius is confident, if David DeJulius is knocking down shots, I mean, you're, you're starting to see that core really develop. I think the main thing is Tari Eason. I think we saw Jeremiah Davenport kind of one part of his game that needs a little bit more polishing if he's going to be kind of that stretch four is well, rebounding. He is way ahead of the curve. On oh, he is. Oh, way ahead. So I, I, I'm not going to, to react to a game where 
uh, he didn't play as well as expected yeah. once. Right. No, I agree. I agree. But just rebounding is simply the only thing, I think, as far as just the next step in his, you know, development. And I, I mean, you're starting to see, like you said, that little core nucleus form. And I mean, if Zach Harvey comes back and he kind of picks up where he left off, I mean, imagine this, this Keith that has a, a known role that he wants to have and close the year strong. Who says they can't make a couple surprises down the, down the road, down the rest of the few games? I mean, you, you're looking at what? Probably three games. But I'm that, not, I'm not worried about this year. Oh, I mean, no, I'm not worried about wins losses. I'm just saying if you finish the, the, the season strong, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit more confidence heading into the next year. So, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you look at it, I, there's, there's a couple of tough games, but we've seen the entire season. Almost everything is winnable. I think David DeJulius is just that main, you know, that, that key catalyst I, that can really get things going from A to B. I've been saying that since September, right. October. Right. I mean, right. so you're not telling me anything I haven't already uh, <laughs> anticipated. Exactly. Exactly. I, I just think if, if David DeJulius can, can kind of firm himself there and you see Zach Harvey take the next step of aggressiveness, we all know that Jeremiah Davenport is going to be aggressive. And I think if, if you see Tari Eason be the Tari Eason that he was at certain times on Sunday, I mean, those four, it's simply – That's a core. I mean, that's that's, that, that's, a core. that's as strong of a core as you can simply have. That's – I mean, that's what we've been waiting for out of this year, right? Yeah. Give me – starting. Give me. It's starting to develop. It's in the beginning stages. There have been a million setbacks – Things have gone wrong a million different times, mm-hmm. but you're starting to see the nucleus come together. Yeah. Well, and also the worst part about that long layoff is that it seemed like John was starting to find roles for his players. And then all of a sudden, everyone we, has to drop their roles. <laughs> should we let him back in? Man, let him out of jail. I mean, I didn't put him in jail. So I, I don't know. Put, I, put I don't himself know. in jail. This is like Monopoly. Go to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. No. Hi, Aaron. For those interested, I'm calling Cincinnati Bell tomorrow and canceling. I mean, you were close. Like, I, I was, I'm hardwired into the mo- – I don't know what else to do. You were so close. Like, close. you had made through the whole – seamless through the whole Brady interview, through like – 30 minutes of basketball talk like you were at the finish line story of my life Aaron pretty much what we were saying is that the the core four that are returning next season are stronger than your internet connection has ever been and we are starting to see (laughs) that they are not (laughs) they are not as fickle as the past BBPs they are starting to really mold together as one and and have a complete game together. So, um, yeah, I think if they finish strong, things will look up heading into next year. And uh, I think that's that's about all you can actually ask for at this point of the season. So, big props to the basketball team. Um, if you guys are ready, we can finish up with be, with with the mailbag questions we haven't touched on yet, and then wrap this thing up. I'm by me. We actually have some fun ones. We already gave Brady his, but I like some of these questions. 
First one is from DMOC55. Which UC basketball team would have made it farther in the NCAA tournament if blank player came back instead of going early to the NBA? Now, it, it's key to listen to that question. Which team would have made it further in the NCAA tournament if the player would have came back? Aaron. Man, you put me on the spot first. I mean, Chad, I get- you have one? <laughs> I guess you could go with like any team that Lance would have been a part of um, as he was, you know, a one and done. Um, Or you could also talk about the team that had uh, like Kenny Satterfield and DeMar Johnson on it um, as they both bounced early. And that team was, God, that team was set up Um, probably more so than any team that Lance was, could have been a part of. Um, Cause at that point, I think they had, they had Kenny, they had DeMar, they had, um, God, I can't even think who Steve they. Steve Logan. Well, but I mean, how many of those guys were graduating at that point? Of the guys that you know, if if they would have come back, would those guys all still have been there? Well, my, the way that point. I took it, the way I took it as was just that next season. If they would have came back yeah. for that one season, so there's a handful. Um, you're talking Danny Fortson, who if he comes back for his senior season, this is a team that was that was the number two seed. And that's with Reuben Patterson and, and a young Kenyon Martin. You know, you're, you're looking at a two seed that ended up losing to a 10 seed in West Virginia in the second round. Because a 10 seed always wins, man. DeMar Johnson, as you mentioned, if he would have came back that next season, then he would have been a part of a team that lost to Stanford in the Sweet 16. Cincinnati was a five seed that year, and they lost to number one Stanford. So – Kind of an expected outcome. Would would Demar Johnson added would have maybe boost them ahead against Stanford? I don't know. Kenny Satterfield, same situation. The two seed with you know Steve Logan, Lenny Stokes. They lost to to UCLA. Uh, pardon me, one seed. They lost to UCLA in the second round in double overtime, crushing loss. Lance, you mentioned, they lost to UConn in the second round. But here's the one that I think. I, you know, I, I think Danny Fortson is the answer, is the correct answer. Okay. That team would have been phenomenal. Uh, Danny Fortson would have probably been the national player of the year, the way that he was putting up the numbers he was. But if Jacob Evans comes back. I wondered if you were going to go Jacob Evans. I, on that 2018-19 team, and they are the seventh seed against Iowa, I, I mean, you got to think that they're, to answer the question, they would have made it further than losing in the first round to Iowa. That's just simply what I think. Well, but, but at that point, are you, I mean, it's hard to say too, because at that point, does that change, like alter your entire season? If we're living in right. that par- parallel universe, does that right. alter your entire season? And maybe you're getting a better ranking than what right. we had. The so, correct answer is Danny Fortson. <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun to break it down and go look at all the, uh, the past and kind of see what would have exactly happened. So that was a fun question. Thank you, uh, D Monk. And uh, another great question, Aaron. I'm, I'm excited to see your, your answer to this. What would your starting five be if you take all of the Bearcat basketball players from the 2010 to 2019 seasons? Just your starting five. The starting five, and I had to think on this quite a bit because, in fairness, some different dudes played some different positions. Mm-hmm. So we did have that going for us. 
Um, I think it came down between at, at point guard for me anyway. Um, there were a couple guys for me there. You have maybe like a, a Dion Dixon, um, Justin Jennifer, um, but I, I went with Troy Calpain. Mm-hmm. If we're looking from 2010 to 2019, um, and and Jaron, I almost put in there, but um, just kind of some of the different shooters that I would have on the team. I don't know that Jaron would would fit with those guys um, unless you're talking maybe freshman Jaron, as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, graduating Jaron or or senior Jaron anyway. Um, there's no way that I go with anybody over SK at the two. Um, at the three, though, um, I think that I would probably go with, I would think, just because I want to slide him in there, I'm thinking Jacob Evans. Um, at the four, I go Gary Clark. And then at the five, I think I'm going to throw Justin Jackson in at the five. Okay. We are similar, not the same. Point guard, I've got Darren Cumberland slash Jacob Evans. Oh, you went with the point forward. Okay. I, I mean, they both play point guard as, you know, at times in their senior season. And then I'm going to go with SK at the two. And then Jacob Evans at the three, if you've got Jaron at the point. Gary Clark and then Yancey Gates at the five. I mean, Yancey's, it, Yancey was not easy for me to – but it was just the, just the overall energy that Justin Jackson always had for me, uh, whereas I feel like Yancey kind of mailed it in sometimes. But man, Yancey at at the tail end of his senior year, he was just big, big East tournament. Yancey Gates was an animal. I, that cross down shootout, Yancey Gates was an animal. I, was, I I mean, it was hard to leave Deontay Vaughn off that list too. Yeah, one of the most uh, underappreciated Bearcats, I would say. But you know, I I think Yancey is one of the most underappreciated Bearcats. Yeah, sure. You, you know, you got to take what you got from Yancey, but I mean. He was a hometown boy too. With all those other players, I don't know. He was a hometown boy too, and you know, there's something to be said for that too. So, Chad, give us the correct answer. I think you're close, Brent. Cashmere, right? I I was right there with Cash. Yeah. Mainly, one, it breaks my heart that we never got to really see the Cash that that I saw in high school, because that was a dude with game changing speed and they never got his knee right. His knee was never right. The entire time he was here, No, but boy, he changed the game with his shooting. Yeah, he did. So the way he adapted and the way he persevered, I think still the all-time leader in steals or second to Troy is the all-time leader in steals. Right. right. Up there. Kazmir Wright, Sean Kilpatrick, Jaron Cumberland. Gary Clark, Nancy Gates. But I think that's why I went with Troy. Like, just the leadership that he brought and just who he always was on the floor. I it, Yeah, but, I mean, shooting is such a well, massive part of the game. Are we talking senior Troy, though, or are we talking early on Troy? Well, that's the problem is Troy's consistency was never quite where Cash's was. And I, and I thought they brought similar things. Um, and I love both of those dudes. Like, I love Troy Copain. Don't get me wrong. That is, that is no disrespect to Troy Copain picking Cash, but Cash was just he he added that extra dimension. Can you imagine having Cash, SK, and Jaron, all three, 
on the perimeter at the same time. I think there, it, it would take a hell of a coach because you'd have arguments over who was going to shoot the damn ball. Nah, it'd be, it, it would be distributed properly or SK would shoot it because that's what SK did. I, interested to hear that, that no one has uh, young Lance Stevenson on his, on their list. <laughs> I mean, Lance is phenomenal, but yeah. I'm not taking him over any of those five guys. I mean, no, the, the argument would be, do you take Lance over Jaron? And I, do you take Lance over Jacob Evans? Um, I would lean towards guys that spend a little bit more time here. Yeah. And Lance was to say that the locker room was a bit uneasy with Lance's around a little bit of an understatement. Like there's, there's also, there's, I mean, there's also a certain morality with Lance. There's also a certain morality clause with Lance. I mean, yeah. He didn't do anything bad while he was here. While he was here, correct. That's what, what been, we're judging uh, on. Yeah. Also, maybe you were shot Bishop if you really I, want to really want to get I'm, crazy with defense. I'm the president of the Rashad Bishop fan club. Well, and that's why I, I mean I, imagine him and Gary on the same court defensively together. That's why I brought up names like Justin Jennifer with the distributor that Jennifer was and how he never turned the ball over like ever. Um I think the problem with the problem I have with your your line of thinking, Aaron, is it is there are too many guys that were that had one year, like I mean, Justin Jennifer, Justin Jackson. In all fairness, I, mean, I almost put Kyle Washington on the team. Too. Kyle had two great years while he was here, and those I, I, are the only two years he was here. I would have yeah, picked, picked two. He had two pretty good over, years at NC State. I would have picked him over Prime Octavius. Yeah, yeah, I would have too. I would have too. I just I, love I don't the have length. a problem with Kyle. Love the length I'm putting Kyle. out there. Oof. Now I know Mick wanted to kill him most of the time. Kyle? Yeah. Hmm. Love that deep three. Kyle Kyle's <laughs> Kyle was a bit like um you you guys are too young for this. Kyle had a lot of Eddie Haskell in him. Okay. I'm not too young for that at all. Okay. Kyle had a lot of, you know, that's a lovely dress you're wearing, Miss Cleaver. Uh, and then when Miss Cleaver left the room, <laughs> it was it was a different <laughs> tune. Uh, but, you know, I, I just I, – I would prefer guys that did it for a while if I'm building a five because I, I'm more confident because I've seen a larger body of work. We saw Cash for four years. I think Cash's legacy – gets severely like tarnished because of the injury his senior year. Man, he was if he was rolling. He was he was coming on, he was hot. If he doesn't get hurt in the middle of his senior year, I think we think a lot differently of Cashmere right. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz that that team was pretty stacked. But on the flip side of that coin is that why we see Troy elevated because of what he did his senior year? No, because the senior year was rough. We see Troy elevated because we think back to Purdue and and him getting that win. And and he had a couple moments like that, but so did Cass. That that Cass baseline jumper against Alabama at the time was massive. Yeah. It just wasn't an NCAA tournament game. Plus, Troy got to let his personality out a lot more as a junior and senior because the team didn't have a whole lot else like really right. established in terms of guys that they were like putting in front of the the press at that time 
guys that were doing interviews like that was that was Troy's gig at that point mm-hmm. so he became a fan favorite because he was funny <coughs> like <coughs> Troy genuinely had a an outstanding personality that was just perfect for you know sitting sitting in a post game press conference so right. it sounds like between everybody that we brought up, we at least have filled our bench. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't think cash, and, I, I think cash and Troy are kind of interchangeable. I just, because of the consistency of cash uh, shooting the way he did. And the fact that cash did it all in the big East. You throw yeah. Dion on that team somewhere. On the uh, if I could have got Dion two years out of college. Absolutely. I don't think Dion would ever reach the point where he was close to a finished product here. Yeah. He's a career 27% three point shooter. Yeah. While he was at Houston. Yeah. And he wasn't afraid to, to fire. I, uh, Dion was, I love Dion. Uh, if we're doing an exercise like this, I mean, what, what are you giving me for a, a bench? I'd have Vaughn on the bench. I'd have Lance on the bench. I'd have Bishop on the bench. Kyle. I'd have Kyle on the bench because I want a big man that can can right. come get me buckets. Um, Quadri, Trey. Trey. I probably have Trey on the bench too. I have Quadri Just, on the bench. <laughs> no quad squad. Um, a, a Trey no would be squad. awesome because yeah. you could just put Trey in for Gary and yeah, <laughs> it's like it, you've got the same guy. Yeah. Do you so, Chad? Based off of it. In, in kind of a different way, what you were saying about Cash and kind of just his senior year and, and somewhat Troy to to an extent, can you say the same thing about Jaron? And and I know it's extremely fresh, fresh wound, if you will, but Jaron kind of just the senior year was rocky, to say the least. And I think we'll look back on it. If if he had anything somewhat like the junior year, you're looking at a at a top five player of all time in program history. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there is definitely something to that. Some of it was injury-related. Some of it was self-inflicted by Jaron. Yeah. Um, I think that's what hurts him. Yeah. I mean, I, you look but at I the have him, I have I, him at the three for me. Right. I mean, I have the, scoring, the scoring yeah. punch between SK and Jaron on the wing. Oof. Good luck. Please. Please. Good luck. I've got Jacob at the point. Give me that length. Woo. Yeah, I don't. I don't dislike the I, the thought of Jacob at the point with those two guys, because Jacob never needed the ball. No, no. For Jacob the re- never wanted the ball. For the record, my favorite Brent Youngism is his. Whoo, whoo, whoo. Thank you. It's like Ooh. a like a it's like an excited owl. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm feeling over here. I'm a little excited. Just fantastic. The inner optimist is like on sky high. <laughs> Imagine this this starting five. The eternal Ooh. optimist has two wins under his belt in a row. Shock the world in Memphis. <laughs> He's feeling good. <laughs> well, like uh, Chris Chris Berman. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Don't do that ever again. <laughs> Oh, yet again, thanks again to the uh, Bearcat Journal board members for giving us the uh, BBP mailbag. You guys are killing it with that. Thanks again to my internet for giving us content. (laughs) Christ almighty. Always, always, Aaron. Any any closing nuggets? I think Chad kind of uh, gave everyone a little bit of a 
Cute, cute, wink, wink, about to, uh, you know, one of the last mailbag questions. So um, keep your eyes peeled to the board for that. And uh, aside from that, you guys got anything else before we shut this one down? Just I would like to continue to, like, what I'm looking forward to for the rest of the season for basketball is just to continue to see improvement, to continue to see maturation, to continue to see development. And I, I feel like that's what I've been looking for. Yep. Now that said, we happen to come up with wins. Totally good with that. So that's just icing on the cake. But I, that's what I'm looking for is to continue to see just they're playing. They're, they're doing more of what Brandon said, that 94 feet thing. I do see more press. I do see more like just going end to end. I don't feel like they're giving up on plays anymore. So it, it's definitely been an improvement. And uh, that's what I'm looking for in the games to come. However many more there may be. <laughs> You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for Aaron to call Spectrum. Man, and I can't talk, wait. Talk to them about their internet package. Can't wait. Price. Spectrum. <laughs> or or you can call Drake from State Farm. Seems like he might be able to help you out somewhat. He's struggling what? there. <laughs> I don't know. Super Bowl. Just wanted to throw it in there there at the end. Terrible. I, I know. I tried. Terrible. I, I tried. It wasn't wrong. Square square peg round hole break. Come on. It, it wasn't wrong. <laughs> this is what happens. Okay. When, this is what happens when Brent tries to do the joke part. <laughs> oh, I'm a funny man. Stick the stick the who. Give give me a couple. Give me a couple weeks, baby. But uh, I'm a funny man. Shoot <laughs> 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 we? Well, this has been fun, guys. Get us out of here, man. Yet again, hey, Brady, thanks again to Brady Collins, uh, recurring guest, uh, big friend of the show. We will see him again in a couple of weeks, get an update on everything going on with the Mean and Nasties. Uh, for Chad Brendel, Aaron Smith, I am Brent Young. Yet again, this is the BBP on BearcatJournal.com. Have a good one. See you.